0: Your boss is gonna be a jerk. That one coworker who always microwaves fish is gonna show up. <laughs> you know, your your kid is gonna punch someone at daycare.
1: Welcome to the Savage Voice. This is Amy. I am very excited to have a guest with us today that is both a friend of mine and of Vivi's and who has been helping us for a while now with some of our um, other programs. So please help me welcome Heather V, who is a licensed social worker who speaks openly about her own trauma and mental health recovery. She is a feminist, sex positive and queer therapist. She lives in Pennsylvania with her partner, Mike, and her two fur kids. They're very little and cute. If you're into cheese, drag, random facts, and puns, you'll probably be her new best friend.
2: Welcome to the Savage Voice. How are you doing tonight? Thanks for having me. I am well. It was a crazy day at work today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Of course, opposite of what we're going to talk about, which which is peace. So I always start off these interviews by asking people when I say that, when I say the intention is in this month, it's peace. What does that first make you think about? Acceptance. So
0: we can't have peace unless we have some acceptance of the present moment or the situation we're thinking about. Just being able to accept it as it is and acknowledge that it is the way it is
2: in that moment. I want to talk more about that then, because that, that makes sense. And I think a lot of like the women that we've been talking to at the studio and stuff, they're talking so much about what they want to change, which obviously change is important, but so talk to me a little bit more about what you mean by acceptance. Like, what does that look like? What does it feel like? So, uh,
0: a lot of the work that I do in my professional life, is addiction recovery. So I'm a therapist at an inpatient residential intensive inpatient program. So we talk a lot about the first step, which is all about acceptance and surrender. And when I first got into my recovery for trauma and mental health, because I'm not in addiction recovery, when I first got into my recovery for trauma and mental health, a therapist had said, read this 12 step book because it'll be helpful for your recovery. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know, but she was right. And a big piece of what helps to gain like an inner peace or a sense of peace or a sense of calm is being able to just accept the facts as they are. And it doesn't mean you have to be okay with it. It doesn't mean that I have to be, you know, on the same page as that person. It doesn't mean I have to forgive them. It doesn't mean I have to be okay with not getting the raise, like any of those things. It just means I have to first be able to acknowledge and sit with and be comfortable with the facts of the situation and be able to recognize that it is what it is currently. Because how can you move forward from that and begin to change anything if you haven't first identified like where you are with your feet planted firmly on the ground, like understanding, having some understanding of the context of your situation. So it's
2: sort of like a reality check. Yeah. It's it's the phrase that everyone hates. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone, why does everybody, everybody hates hate that, that phrase. Why did you hate it? That doesn't Be- bother me. <laughs>
0: It, a lot of people that I've worked with or like people that I've talked about my own like healing with, they hate that phrase because it removes the perceived sense of control over the situation. So uh.
2: it is what it is
0: is just saying this is how the situation is. so it's taking often we follow that immediately with and here's what I'm going to do about it like it's a breathless following in how we say that. so it's like I'm having all this trouble with my partner. So I'm going to put us in couples therapy and we're going to get date nights and we're going to do this. And it's like, hold on, take a breath. Acknowledge that you're having some trouble in your relationship and sit without feeling for a second because you're feeling it, but you're not sitting with it. You're not acknowledging it. You're not accepting it. And you're just rushing through to the solution. But it's people that are trying to find the peace and you can't rush to a solution to fix a
2: person. So do you think that the reason people don't like the, it is what it is, is because it is not a fix? Yeah. Like they want, they want to fix and they feel like it's giving up almost. It could be. And that perceived sense of control
0: comes from when we're solution focused, which is great. If you have something in your life that bugs the shit out of you and you want to fix it and you're not happy that's awesome. But you also have to be able to accept in that moment how the situation is, maybe how you've contributed to it or how you have grown and changed and how you've come to feel differently about the situation. There's just a lot of levels of acceptance that come usually before the piece.
2: Yeah, I I would say that makes total sense with what we've been doing over this past year with all the different intentions. And a lot Mm -hmm. of them are a lot of them were facing yourself, who you are, what is going on with you, and being realistic about that before you can go to do anything about it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you find this, but but we sort of were, were noticing that if you skip this part uh-huh. and then you try and go fix it. Even if you're doing a great job with your journey and moving forward, this is going to come back and bite you in the ass and you're going to have to deal with it later. Do you find that that's the case, too, that it's it's something that ends up sitting back there and you have to come back through and fix it?
0: I am such a, like, you know, me. I am (laughs) such a let's fix it person. I love to have a plan. I have intense ADHD and complex PTSD. So those two things together give me great abilities as a friend and as a therapist, but they're the bane of my existence at the same time. Uh-huh. So everything has to be structured. It has to be planned. I have to have like systems and process and procedure to be good at the things I do and to manage my life. But that's also a very perceived sense of control. And so there are times I have to just, like, like I'm at work and the shit's hitting the fan and I can't keep to the schedule that I've set for myself to try to stay organized, to try to not forget the things. And I'm that meme of the guy just throwing all the papers up in the air from his desk. Mm -hmm. And I just have to go, all right, the plan has to get thrown out the window because I have to accept that, like, that's just not going to happen today. And that's hard. Like, I struggle with that. But there... Just the acceptance of letting go of that brings peace. And in trauma recovery, we are so used to functioning in chaos and that's where we're comfortable. Give me a client about to leave treatment, running out the door, punching someone else in the face. And I'm the person you want because I am cool, calm, collected, and amazing in a crisis. But give me someone who's treatment resistant and like sort of stuck, like they've hit a plateau point and they kind of don't want to talk. I might struggle there because I'm like, this isn't the chaos
2: that I I know and love and abuse to. (laughs) Okay. So that's, it's really the difference between like who you are and who they are almost.
0: Yeah. So however you conceptualize the universe, your higher power, any of those kinds of things, your community, like whatever the sense is that you feel connected to is going to keep teaching you that lesson until you learn it. And boy, doesn't the universe keep teaching me that I can't control things and I need to go.
2: It is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk more about that then, because, you know, you've been through a long journey of acceptance and uh, it is what it is where do you well first of all where do you think you are kind of on that now do you you feel like you're in a good space obviously nobody's journey is really ever finished but yeah
0: yes and no so like here's the universe again I'll think I am (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then the it's
2: universe, like, ah, right. bitch, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cute. So,
0: in general, yes, with the healing that I've done, my piece comes from my ability to be adaptable and flexible. And as many of the women that go to your studio are have traumatic history, the one thing that we often forget about ourselves is we are survivors and we are adaptable and flexible because those have been our survival skills. But when we're not in the situation, we feel like we need to survive anymore. We're trying to move to thrive. We often forget how those skills are transferable. And so I I keep getting myself into these situations where I'm reminded of that. And so I'm at a place of peace where like, I just turned 40. I got time for no one's bullshit. I feel like I've lost some friends over the over the pandemic, you know, like grown closer with other people. And I'm kind of like, I need to, you know, maybe have some more support, but also I'm kind of trying to strike a balance with how much do I really want to bring new people in and go through that process. In other areas of my life with work, we're under a whole bunch of turmoil right now at work. There's big changes coming at our agency. There's changes in the regulations we have to follow. I just got my licensure. There's changes happening in my relationship. You know, my partner and I had a meeting recently and I set some ultimatums and some healthy boundaries with some of his behavior and he's trying to work on that. You know, we're open that we go to couples counseling, and that's that's another one of those areas where it is what it is is really helpful. Oh because... yes, yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> <laughs> couples yeah. counseling is is awesome.
0: So peace is a journey for me, and it's something that I, I like to describe it like, you know, those things that are on someone's desk and it has like the five little silver balls and you pick one up and then yeah. it kind of go through. So it's kind of like a pendulum. When I was really in my trauma responses, my behavior was like this, and it was like one extreme or the other. And I've settled to like that middle third, but it doesn't, that one ball doesn't stop moving. Okay. So you- I'm still having like swings to one direction or the
2: other, where I'm like, oh chaos, no peace, chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think a lot of the women, of the women who listen would want to know this. Then, is there a place that people can get to where that's not happening, or is that a completely unrealistic? Wayne. it's
0: unrealistic because okay. life is still going to happen your boss is going to be a jerk that one coworker who always microwaves fish is going to show <laughs> up you know your your kid is going to punch someone at daycare like there's always going to be this stuff that's happening and so the goal for for life for me anyway is not to be happy all the time because that's kind of unrealistic and also because like I've struggled with depression for more than 20 years but it's more neutrality, like the goal is peace. And that is, I keep going back to acceptance. It's feeling like I've created a life for myself that I enjoy, that I feel fulfilled by, that when I have those struggles, I have support just as much as I do have people and places and things that help me when I'm celebrating. So the peace comes from acknowledging that duality and acknowledging that spectrum and saying like, I'm comfortable knowing I can ride this out. I'm comfortable and peaceful feeling that when these challenges arise, I might not know how to handle this specific challenge. What happens if it is this part of my engine that fails, but I, I can trust myself to know that I know who to ask. I know how to find the experts. I know how to get the help. I know how to do those things. And that's how the peace comes in for me. I don't know if that'll if I don't
2: want to help anyone, but actually I was going to say, I liked the fact that at some point in there, there was a discussion about asking for help and not yeah. doing everything by yourself. And I think you women can. get into that, they, but they get in that mode all the time mm-hmm. where, you know, they're the ones who are supposed to fix it. They're also the ones who are supposed to do everything. You know, they don't spend time on themselves. They're constantly, constantly thinking that they're the ones who have to do and know everything. Yeah. And then, It sounds, and it's almost considered weak to go ask for help Mm -hmm. for something, even if it is something, even if it's something little, like I didn't go get, you know, wrapping paper for the kid's birthday present. Can Mm -hmm. somebody, you know, can you pick it up for me? Or do you have any, or, you know, do you have a bag? Mm -hmm. I can throw this in. Like just admitting something little like that um, makes a big difference and asking for those little bits of help. Do you think that starting small like that makes more sense? It does. You can build your comfort level with that. And a good way
0: to think about it too, is think about a time when a friend has asked you for help and you were able to be there for them. And that intrinsic internal good feeling you had of like, Now, maybe you weren't like blowing yourself up on the way home. Like, I'm such a good person. I'm such a good friend. Oh, my God. (laughs) Maybe you were. And that's fine. Right. You do get this good feeling from helping other people. So who am I to deny that to to my other people? Oh, I love that. Right. Right. So there's plenty of. So like today I was coming home from work. I had to leave a little bit late. We're supposed to have the podcast. And I call Mike, my partner. And I'm like, which, you know, but I'm saying that for the listeners. Um, I call Mike and I'm like, Hey, are you gonna make dinner tonight? He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna make dinner. We have a whole discussion about what it is. There's one step he didn't understand how to make the thing. And so we just talked about it. And he was like, Well, do you want to eat before or after? And we just have a conversation about who pitches in to do what thing. And I have got to a point where the risk outweighs the reward in those situations. I can't do all the things for all the people because. One, the nature of my job. I'm doing emotional labor all day. Right. And two, I am not going to be able to function. And it's going to be bad for my mental health and trauma recovery. And I won't get out the bed. Like that TikTok sound about I'm for the sheets, not the streets.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's me, right? Okay. Like that's what's going to happen. And so the risk of having him be grumpy about it or something else outweighs that I'm asking my partner for help. And it outweighs that I'm I'm likely to receive that help. And so in the beginning of asking people for that, even if it's something small, because you're doing a new behavior, they might not understand that that's big for you or important for you or scary for you, or they might not think you need it because you don't usually ask for stuff. So I'll use language like, hey, do you have a few minutes? Hey, I would really like some help on this if you're able to. And so I kind of leave a little room for for the other person to tell me if they have the time and the space and the capacity for it too. Unless it's something real important and then I'm just like ugly snot crying and I'm like, this <laughs> need to happen? Do <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> right. Well, and I like that you're Leaving room if that person is like working on saying no to shit, (laughs) you're giving them the space to do that without turning into an asshole. Because maybe for them, peace is like not saying yes to everything all the damn time, you know. And then you haven't put them in a bad position, you've given them an out, but you've asked for what you needed. Mm -hmm. And if they can't, you can still go ask somebody else for that help, Um, or you can sit and negotiate, you know, depending on who it is and what you're dealing with. I mean. I've been married twenty, almost twenty-two years now, and that is a big part of staying together. Is those mm-hmm. asking for that help, getting to that place where you each understand each other, yeah, and you understand that asking for what you need is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a feeling of peace? It is. Yeah, it, to know that. Well, like we, you were just talking about dinner. I finally was like, I have to work till nine o'clock at night. Most of the time, I really need you to make dinner. I know that you don't like making dinner. I know cooking's not your thing. Let's figure out a way to deal with it. We got those like meal boxes so that he makes it, but it gives him directions. Mm -hmm. And at first watching him struggle, like made things worse for me until I was able to just say, okay, he's going to figure it out. Like Mm -hmm. he's a big boy. He could do it. He can do it. And I need this. Yes, for me. I need to be able to drive home and not be worried about that. I need yeah. to you know, for my own for my own peace, I needed to mm-hmm. not have to worry about that a couple of nights a week. Yeah. And it's made a huge difference.
0: And and look what a gift you gave to him. And you might not have thought about it this way, but you have now facilitated him learning a very important life skill. Yes. And, and feeling more confident and comfortable with those life skills. Because what happens if
2: you get hit by a bus? Your kids still need to eat. Mark still needs to eat. We have discussed this at length, because sometimes yeah. I do, I'm like, ah, would you know where anything is? Right. <laughs> but, but now the- I know he can dice a little, like a to- he can dice a tomato, so we're good. <laughs> right.
0: But cooking is not a gender role. Like it's not a gender specific task. If it's not something you operate with your genitalia, it is yeah. not a sex-based task. And right. so if you, you have now facilitated him becoming more confident, and comfortable in those areas, you know, it's helped you become more confident and comfortable in the asking for help, in accepting the help, you know, in kind of flip-flopping. You were so busy during the day before, yes, you know, and now it's the evening right. and that, that comes to, at a certain point, you had to reach a level of acceptance before you could ask for the
2: help and get the peace. Oh yeah. Because I definitely felt like it was my job to do all of it. I think the other thing that is really great. And I tell moms this all the time is that mm-hmm. now my kids are watching this happen. Mm-hmm. My kids have watched me ask for this help. They've watched me have a partner who was willing to help me. They've watched a situation where it isn't a traditional gender role breakdown come all mm-hmm. the time not that we still don't fall into that. Cause I think it's of real hard not to there's
0: certain things all default to the traditional yeah. gender,
2: but I, well, because we, we have these, we have moms come in all the time or who talk to us, you know, from the podcast. And I mean, one of their biggest things is that you know, they, they feel like they're so that they, they can't do things for themselves. They can't spend time mm-hmm. on themselves. They can't work on this piece. They can't do any of it because they have a responsibility for their kids and they have a responsibility for their partner. And I just consistently am like, you know, you're going to be a better parent mm-hmm. if you spend some time on yourself. Mm-hmm. And I will say, cause I've talked about the getting out of daycare and what that did for me and in, in the past in the podcast that my kids noticed Mm -hmm. that I was more peaceful and that made me a nicer human to be around. Yeah.
1: Stop. Don't fast forward. If you've been listening for a while, you've been hearing pretty much the same ad in this spot for a while, but instead of a formal sounding ad, I wanted to pop in and tell you a little bit more about the Savage Magic store. As you probably know, we have our intention boxes that go along with the intention that we discuss every month in the podcast, we would love for you to subscribe to those they are chock full of really great stuff that help you focus on your intention for the month. But the store has also grown and it's full of all sorts of goodies for all your metaphysical needs. We've also started a bath ritual line and most of those products are handmade by us in house. So take a minute shop around, buy yourself a little or a big gift. It's also a great place to find something for the witchy person in your life. You can visit the store online at savage-magic.myshopify.com. And we are open for in-person shopping most weekday evenings and on Sundays if you're in the Frederick, Maryland area. So check out the show notes for more information and we hope to see you either virtually or in person soon.
2: I think part of peace is, like you said, sitting in where you are mm-hmm. uh, and not trying to constantly change everything around you. Mm-hmm. Which is, if you're in this constant, if you're in a constant state of, if only, if yeah. this changed, if I could just make this happen, mm-hmm. then then you're not at peace and everybody around you is constantly in that anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. Of If only things would change, it would be better. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, do you find that that's the case too? That the whole, you know, if only, if only, if only, if one more thing. Yeah.
0: I I call it the shoulds. So it's like, I should do this. I should be more productive. I should, you know, be cleaning. I should be reading a book or I should be, And so my phrase for that is "stop shooting all over yourself."
2: Okay, Um, (laughs) humor is a great coping mechanism. Yeah, that's also going to be the title of the podcast. So, (laughs) (laughs) and it's just I
0: definitely have to, I have to make that time for myself to when I when I catch myself. So every every therapist we are insanely self-aware probably definitely more than we should overthinking is a superpower of mine okay. but being able to be like oh that's like this whole day I've been doing that and beating myself up my self-talk has been real shitty all right you need to like give yourself a talk to and like sort this out like what's that about you know and often for me that's in the shower, um, in the car ride to and from work, um, putting on music and just sort of like being in in my head in a good way. And with the steps, that's step 10. It's taking a daily inventory. It's kind of seeing where you're at and why and noticing those things and getting in the habit of doing that. And I think, you know, if, if I spend too much time doing the ifs and not in a healthy way, then... It's just, you're not living in reality. It's sort of this fantasy land. And it's a lo- what it is, is a lot of distraction. So I don't want to feel the emotion I feel about the current situation. I don't want to face it as it currently is. I want to think about if I earned more money, if I lost more weight, if I got my boobs done, if any of these things, then this. And those things don't often solve the problem. What often solves the problem is the acceptance and the peace that comes with it. So like when I first got my thyroid problem, I gained over, I want to say it was between 60 and 80 pounds in the first year. Okay. And at the time I was a dancer and I had like, I had a rock and bod. I mean, I still think I do, but anyway, <laughs> so- That was harsh to gain that weight. And I was lucky that then I still fit in like the curvy category, but I would go on auditions and stuff. And I was feature dancing and I would have like these gross men who run the club be like, we need you to get on the scale. And I was like, fuck you and your beer gut, buddy. Like you're not telling me that. And with like that the acceptance had to come from, hey, I'm not dead. And like, this is manageable with medication and other things. And I think since I've had some of those experiences, the ifs don't hit me as hard because surviving the traumas I have, surviving the medical things that have happened, I'm able to look at the limitations I have or the more reasonable expectations of things and just be like, okay, it is what it is, but I still have these goals. So how do I figure out how to do that in a way that's reasonable? So I know I can get through any situation and this drives Mike crazy because when we've had trouble, I've said to him, I would be okay if you, if we broke up and he's like, you know, (laughs) And I'm like, look, I would grieve. I would cry. I would go through all the feelings, but I know I can provide my own housing. I can work a job and pay my bills and do my own taxes and all those things. Like, I know I would be okay if I was single again. And he can't say that. Like, he gets so emotional. when, And it is so hard for him to hear me say that. But, like, look at this shit that I've been through. Like, there isn't any man going to take me down. Like, are you kidding me? A pandemic, chronic medical condition, <laughs> multiple violent traumas. I got this. I might not know how, but I can trust myself to know that I can get through it. There, there is some way for every woman to be able to look at the things that she's been through, to look at the experience of being a woman existing in the world today and be able to draw strength from that. And to be able to look at what she wants to do and determine what's right for her, not what everyone else says she should do, but what does she want? And, and when you think about like, what do I want for life? How do you conceptualize that? Right. So like, is it you and I, I know you saw a social media post I made about like, what do you want out of your life? And when I describe it for me, it's feelings. And one of them is peace. uh-. Uh-huh. So like I know I want to buy a house but I'm a pain in the ass for a real estate agent cuz I can't tell you exactly what I want it to look like because I'll know it when I see it. When you see it. <laughs> you know, I yeah. it's about peace. I want to feel good. I want my home to be reasonably clean but it doesn't need to be spotless. I don't want to come home and see a ton of clutter cuz it makes me feel anxious. You know, I want a comfortable home with like good heating. I want my partner and my two dogs to be there. When I think about that, I have to think about how I want to feel versus the concrete things. It needs to be a White House with a pink fence and a red roof, like thinking about these very specific things and to get to that goal of buying the house, I have to accept how much money I have in the bank. I have to accept what my credit score is. I have to accept that's no
2: different for anything else. So do you find that that coming up with with feelings, how you want things to feel, it are it is more useful than coming up with what something would look exactly like or how much it would cost or you know, um, Cause I, I have definitely found that for myself, but I don't know if that's yeah. consistent. I think it depends
0: on the person. So okay. like I tend to be, as much as I'm a therapist, I tend to be a very logical linear thinker cause I'm, all, I'm neurodivergent. So I can make you a very clear list of a lot of things. I can tell you, I don't want a house with baseboard heat. Like that's a no-go for me, Right. but there's a lot of things I can't tell you about the house I want. And so For some people, it might be easier for them to think about it as an emotion. It might be easier for them to think about it in a logical list way, but that also might change. So I would encourage if someone is thinking in the logical sort of list-based way that we're talking about, I would encourage them to explore anytime you feel strongly about something you want to do or an identity that you hold or a label you claim, why is that important to you and how does it make you feel? Because What if the goal is I want to spend $300,000 and I want to buy a house and it's got to be this and it's got to have the garage and all those things. And then I do all that work and I get there and I feel like shit. Yeah. Because what if the goal was that because I want to impress other people and I need to feel validated or like I've arrived by buying that house, but spending that $300,000 doesn't solve that problem.
2: No, it doesn't therapy is a lot cheaper than 300,000 (laughs) dollars well depends on how long you go yeah I mean I I I definitely had found and I I've talked about this before but when I stopped trying to to get out of something and Mm -hmm. run away from something and when I had a something I wanted to go toward but it was no longer um something specific. Cause I looked at, I was like, well, I want this kind of job with this kind of thing and these kind of hours and all of this. When I stopped yeah. looking for that, that's when I was able to be open to what the other possibilities were mm-hmm. and figure out what was going to make me get me to where I wanted to feel instead mm-hmm. of, you know, a specific list of things. And yeah. that's me. I mean, I also realistically knew it has to at least do this, this, and this. It has to have this much money. It, you mm-hmm. know, I have kids. I have to be able to deal with them or Mark's going to have to be able to, wh- whatever it is. But it was, I guess it, that that's kind of like a hybrid of the two things then. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely when I stopped running away. Yeah. That, and that
0: what we're afraid that. to do that as women. We're afraid to claim our own space. So we're, we're afraid we've been conditioned our entire lives since day one to be soft, to be quiet, to be compliant and to be nice. And so a lot of that is I'm going to swallow the feelings. I'm going to stuff them down. I'm going to do what society expects of me. I'm not going to make a fuss. I'm going to be pretty and I'm going to look good over here and I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. But at the end of the day, like your rewards and your consequences are your own and My life may not end, you know, where I want it to, or there might be things that happen or lessons I have to learn along the way, but it was mine. And there is a great amount of pride and peace and comfort that comes from that. I own all the mistakes I've made, but I also own my victories. And I feel good about that all of that that's happened good and bad in my life is just part of my story up until today i can wake up tomorrow and completely change the way it's going but that's also because i believe that i'm that i am worthy of doing that i believe that i don't have less value or less potential or less room to figure out who i am and love who i am and come to a place of acceptance and peace because of my gender or because of outdated rules that society wants to to look at now it's so common to talk about non-binary people and trans folks you know people who are asexual and all different kinds of relationship structures and poly and all these things are in mainstream media all the time we're always talking about it so why are we clinging to these old outdated notions of what we have to follow
2: we don't we we don't but it's almost a safety net yeah it's what we know It's what, yeah, it's what you were surrounded by. It's what, you know, Mm -hmm. and it has a definition and it it has boundaries. Yeah. You know, we're we're like robot vacuums. We're like, I
0: know where to go. Yeah. Oh, I bumped into something.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Mm -hmm. you know, what I was doing before was so gender role specific. I mean, I, Taking care of children was what I did, and that couldn't be mm-hmm. more of a feminine thing to like a female thing to do. Yeah. That's part of why it always bothered me because I'm like mm-hmm. I'm I'm a feminist woman and you know mm-hmm. all these things, and here I am doing this thing that is so female. but look how you've transferred that skill
0: so very your much natural, so. your natural nurturer came about with the creative side of you and you yeah. ended up in this job that didn't really exist that no. you have created over time yeah. and, you know, figured out like, okay, well, how do I do what I want to do, but it's not really created yet. So how do I figure it out and how do I conceptualize it? How do I make it a thing? And what came before that piece of knowing yourself and figuring this out, what came before that was the acceptance of what I'm doing doesn't fucking work anymore. And I hate this and I'm miserable.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I really, and You're right. Because I didn't actually get out until I truly admitted to myself that Mm -hmm. this was no longer something that was going to work. Yeah, Um, And then it was pretty easy to stop, but, but it was really hard to stop before I got to that point. And I Mm -hmm. I think that's why, when I talk about, you know, what I wanted to feel like, I knew kind of what I wanted it to feel like when I was working, Mm -hmm. but you're right. Like this didn't exist. This is mm-hmm. a, I do a very weird job. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain what it is, at the yeah. time, but it is perfect for me. It is. It is absolutely perfect for me, but it is because I'm continuously looking at how I want to feel while I'm doing it. Yeah. Instead of, you know, a list of the 15 jobs that I want to be able to do. You
0: gave yourself room and grace to figure that out, to take that leap because you believed that you were worthy and deserving of happiness. You believed that you were worthy and deserving of peace and that you should be able to ask your partner, like, Hey, how do, how do I fix this? What do you, what's this like to you? What kind of support are you comfortable with? What kind of leap am I, are are we comfortable with me making? And because you had the acceptance and because you believed that you were worthy of that, you were able
2: to do that. That's fucking awesome. I do like what I do now. I feel so much different. <laughs> right? I, I like this idea of the, of feeling worthy as being a big part of, mm-hmm. of, of peace. And I think a lot of women, like that's one of the biggest things they have to get before they they can mm-hmm. get to a place of peace is that they have to decide that they're worth feeling that way. Yeah.
0: One of my favorite quotes is from the Dalai Lama and it says, and apologies if I butcher it, it's a long day, was no one on this earth is more deserving of your love and compassion than yourself.
2: Oh, see, I love that. And it's true. Yeah,
0: like you can't pour from an empty cup. If you're not taking care of yourself, if you can't give yourself love and compassion, you're gonna struggle to give it to other people. Like I believe you can love your other people if you're struggling to love yourself. But if you're, if you're, You can't embrace yourself, right? And the way that we treat ourselves teaches other people how we are accepting treatment, how we will treat ourselves, you know, shows them like it's a model of behavior, like, hey, I'm okay with this or I'm not okay with this. And if I'm going to put out love and compassion into the world, which I feel was part of like my purpose of being on this planet, I have to be able to do that for myself because at the end of the day, like everyone that you know, and you're connected to will move, they'll pass away, you'll have a falling out like there are things that happen that our connections aren't necessarily for the entire time that we're alive. Right. In, at the end of the day, the only thing I have is myself. And if I can't be okay with myself in a room alone with my own thoughts, I'm so fucked. <laughs> like plus it gets real noisy in there and it's yeah. not always a good place to be. <laughs> you know, I got to yeah. be able to be
2: compassionate and be like, girl, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so uh, before we wrap up, I do want to talk a little bit more about this self-talk that you were talking about. Can you explain, you know, what you mean by that exactly?
0: So we all have a running monologue in our heads all day. And
2: it's something
0: we may or may not be aware of, but it's these little things where you, you answer the phone and it's like three in the afternoon, and you go, good morning, good right. up, you know, and you're like, oh, and you like catch yourself and you go, why'd you do that? You know, or someone whistles at you and you're okay with that. And you're like, oh, girl, you looking fine today. And you talk to yourself. So we have all different versions of self-talk. And as we start to get tuned into it, we can start to notice how it's kind of flawed or how it doesn't really serve us. So like (laughs) just an assignment I give my clients, part of cognitive behavioral therapy called thinking errors, where I have them kind of monitor their self-talk with journaling. And then we we have them look at this list of different thinking errors we make. So we're jumping to conclusions. where Minimizing things. Oh, that wasn't such a big deal, you know, or rationalizing. Well, it's fine because and having you start to kind of become aware of the way we talk to ourselves, because you could be with other people all day. So at least eight to 10 hours a day, I am with other people and in the midst of their shit that they have going on. But I am also talking to myself the whole time. And even in a session, I'm listening to someone and I'm making a mental note. Okay, I'm going to circle back to that later. Oh, she seemed really irritated or upset. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to think about that. What time is it? I really need to shift in this chair. You know, having all of that self talk. And it's powerful because we hear it the entire time we're awake. And so learning to become aware of it and get to an acceptance with where that is too. Okay, I could be a little hard on myself sometimes. Okay. I'm aware of that. Like, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to like talk to my therapist about that. How do I, how do I work on that? Because it really is like having a radio on you're hearing it all the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like, yeah, you're right. I, I think Mm -hmm. that that is, that's sitting there all the time. So you said journaling. Mm -hmm. I like hate journaling but everybody else seems to freaking love journaling. (laughs) Really what you're using the journaling for though, is recognizing what you're saying to yourself. And
0: also like you're super creative. Have you ever tried to journal with
2: pictures? Yeah. Honestly, my ADHD is like, what? And then I stopped doing it. Um, We have some people who do recorded ones now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that seems to work pretty well. Like that. And honestly, the podcast, it's basically an out loud journal for me. And then I have to listen to it back in order to do Mm -hmm. the editing. So it, becomes something that like i've learned a lot about myself doing that
0: but let go of expectations with journaling we talk about this a lot with my clients oftentimes what we'll do because we're perfectionists we're women we're like if i'm going to do it i got to do it right if i'm going to dedicate this time to myself it has to be productive it has to be done right i gotta buy the fancy journal with the fancy cover and the fancy pens and i have to write in it exactly this way with the date at the top and it has to be this who cares? Scribble on the page. Write down three words one day. Write down fifty the next. Write a letter. Write it as if you're writing to yourself or your grandmother who passed away or your higher power. Write a list. Draw pictures. I had a client that hated a journal, but she was an artist, and so she drew a daily turtle, and it was the turtle reflected her mood every day,
2: and oh, she okay
0: do it how it works for you you know do it audio do it video do it where you make a powerpoint slide every day like who cares and if you but if you find it beneficial or someone has recommended it to you enough that you should give it a try right make it your own just like everything else and see if it helps and if you've tried it for a while and it didn't help and you've tried a couple different ways to do it well cool that just might not be your your
2: cup of tea for that coping skill. Yeah, that's definitely not at the top of my list, but I, I feel like it comes up a lot. And I mean, there are people who absolutely love journaling, so I know it's helpful for some people, but yeah, that's, that's writing is a note for me. So. (laughs) Which, which again, I think comes back to, I know that about myself. And so instead of beating Mm -hmm. myself up about it, instead of trying to make it happen, i come up with other things that are going to work for me. And I don't sit there and decide that I'm not worth fixing at this point because I can't journal, you know,
0: do you make to-do lists and cross them off?
2: Absolutely.
0: That's journaling. Uh, Yeah. Because it is though, because okay. hey, you look back at the end of your day on what your day was like, and you could very clearly articulate, based on that list, how you felt about your day, whether you're keeping them in a book or not, that That's is a form true. of journaling, because I can look back on my to-do list from work today and be like... Well, I had to be very adaptable, and flexible.
2: I was very stressed (laughs) out today
0: because there are 15 things on here and one crossed off. Or I can look at it and go, I feel really accomplished, and it kind of it reflects what my day was
2: like. All right. Well, I'm going to call myself a journaler then. Sure. Because I actually have to do lists and cross offs every day, or else I would not feel good to do that. Yes. Also, it just keeps my anxiety level down because I know. I can go back and remember what I need to do and I don't have to keep it in my head. So there's enough Mm -hmm. shit going on in my head. I don't need (laughs) my list up there in addition. If you had to say sort of one thing to people about what you think they, they should really be looking for feeling for whatever it is about peace. What would you say that that is?
0: Even if you can't verbalize it to someone
2: else yet,
0: trust yourself that you're going to know what it is and that you can figure it out and that you're going to know it when you feel it. Just, just trust yourself. Cause you know, it's in there and you'll know when is the right time to be able to put it into words and you'll know what you're comfortable doing. And if you feel like you need help with that, like you got the ladies at the studio, you know, and you can talk to a therapist, talk to your partner, like reach out for the support, but trust yourself.
2: I'm definitely going to end it there. That was perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks.